Welcome to Bad Dad's Film Review. Movies, films, the pictures, features, flicks, talkies, the silver screen, cinema, motion picture, matinees. Yes, those are just some of the words I looked up in an online thesaurus to describe the movies, which are the things we review on this podcast. Specifically, we're reviewing those movies we missed while bringing up our kids. And because we have to watch the utter dreck our kids enjoy, we're reviewing those things too. Content warning, this podcast is recommended for mature audiences only. If you're immature, you will probably still like it or maybe even (laughs) prefer it. This episode contains adult situations, graphic violence and even some profanity. Golly gosh. This week we're shaking things up a little. Dan has been unexpectedly struck down with herpes, but we are fortunate (laughs) to be joined by a very special guest. Podcast legend and sleeper wire mainstay, Adam. Yay. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Thank you Welcome. so much. Thank you for coming on. Now, just a quick pimp for Sleeperwire. Sleeperwire was the very first NFL fantasy football podcast centered around charity and is a real titan of the podcasting world. We also have Sidey and Howie on this week's show. Howie, a man who once accidentally donated to a charity and definitely won't be making that same mistake again. <laughs> You're such a shitbag. Can I say something nice? I'm sat in the fucking loft. You got no, obviously the podcast listeners can't see this, but I'm sat amongst boxes of old clothes. I'm, I'm like in a jumble sale. I'm like a, a charity shop. That's where I'm sat. I've got no insulation up here. Have you got anyone got a violin they can play to do a dub over the top of this speech? The world's smallest one, yeah. Yeah, the world's smallest one. But yeah, hi there. Hi, everybody. Yeah, thanks for the intro. Great. Uh, look, I, I can't give a fuck about films this week. I want to talk to Adam about this fucking NFL stuff, right? Because... Some of us play football, fantasy football. With It's been with the Daily Telegraph, I think, is the big one over here. And that's soccer in uh, US terms, obviously. And it involves me picking 11 players at the start of the season, probably clicking random as well, and then leaving it. And then halfway through the season, make some subs because some blokes broke his leg. And that's it. I've been looking at this NFL fantasy football league stuff you do. My God, you've got to put some commitment in. This is like, this is serious stuff. I, I looked at the thing, di, di, Dynasty Leagues, where it play, continues on from the year, year after. My God, this is a proper commitment. This isn't just like me pissing about, hoping I've got five quid win at the end that I've put to one of the guys in the office that's running it. This is serious stuff, man. I didn't really realise it until I obviously connected up with you and, and your podcast. I just kind of looked into it. I was like, I cannot believe the the levels. This... This ticks every box for Americans and statistics and numbers, I'm afraid. Oh, it, it does. It, it ticks it, you love all. it. You love the data. You love it. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're all over. I mean, we, we are partnered with a company called Sleeper, and they bring out alerts. And if those alerts are three minutes faster than the second fastest alert, you'll be able to grab that player before somebody else does with an injury. So, I mean, it, it gets really granular. You got yeah. vampire leagues, you got no bench <laughs> leagues, you've yeah. got dynasty leagues, you've mm. got snake drafts, you've got redrafts. I mean, you've got it all with fantasy football. There is so much out there and it's what millions and millions of dollars. So of course, yeah, you don't really realize on this side of the Atlantic, quite how big it is for us. The only link into NFL we've got is a guy called Christian Wade who I'm a big rugby fan and so Christian Wade plays he got see this is the thing this is for offline chat I don't understand what the hell happened he scores on his debut for Buffalo Bills and then gets cut Buffalo I, I salute Bills it. wasn't that the name of the bad guy in the Silence of the Lambs yeah the, your, your favorite uh, impression uh, your favorite. I've never bad. seen Silence of the Lambs 
<gasps> Shut the oh, front door. Right, no. okay, you've got to watch that. Yeah, that's what my wife keeps telling me. That's what she keeps telling me. you got to watch it. No, okay. It's one of the all-time greats. Yeah, yeah, I mean, of course, I I feel like I've already know what's going to happen. So it's I've, it's been around <laughs> yeah. in pop culture enough. So what have we got coming up on this week's show, Sidey? We kind of had a bit of a mixed bag of nominations where we just plucked things out at random, didn't we? So yeah. we're going to talk about memorable movie injuries. So. That should be interesting. And then we nomination for a movie was Gremlins because, shockingly, Howie and Adam had never seen it. I find this totally bizarre that, you know, guys in their, I don't know how old you are, Adam, but in their 40s, they may not have seen this movie, especially people who consider themselves to be movie fans. I find it totally incredible you guys haven't seen this. I think it's due to the rating. Because at the time, what was we P- talk about? Oh, it was 15, wasn't it? Yeah, anyway, it was we'll get into that when we talk about yeah, the film. Yeah, yeah. And Kids Stalwart of the Christmas period, the snowman. So we'll get into all that We're shortly. walking in the earth. That was, exactly, that was exactly it. That was exactly it, wasn't it? But did we have a top five to finish off from last week? Uh, we do, but we didn't have a single nomination. So we really captured the imagination of the uh, listeners there. there what I can say, though, is that people have cottoned on to this week's one already because we've had three or four nominations on twitter and the same again on on facebook Facebook as well yeah Yeah, it's a good one i think people just you know gravitate towards death and injury and misery more than (laughs) uh than i can't remember what last week was films we wish we hadn't revisited any films that you wish you hadn't seen again adam so you know funny just yesterday I, this occurred to me when i turned on the league of extraordinary gentlemen oh yeah oh yeah I really wanted it to be good. You yep, know, I, I just same. wanted it to be good. And then turning it on, it, it it's hard to follow. Yes. It did so many stink. different yeah. so many different things, but the the bad guy dressed up like, you know, maybe something you would uh design in your garage and then the <laughs> the invisible man with yeah. the white mask yes. face yeah, paint yeah. that's like over his face some of the time and mm. not over his face the rest of the time and ah it it could have been so good it had so much potential but yeah it's it, a shame because the graphic novel is really really good yeah that's what i've heard it's I've another heard it's, really it's another alan moore disappointing yeah. film adaptation well, some of the special some of the special effects are flipping terrible the, on the when they're on the Nautilus, whatever the the Captain yeah. Nemo ship, Nemo's. yeah, yeah, and and it's like it's not moving, yeah, it's supposed to be, <laughs> and 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 they're firing into the distance, and the distant the horizon and all the sea in front of it isn't moving, and you're like, God, could you have not just bothered? It was supposed to run into sort of load of sequels. It was supposed to be their version of the Avengers type of thing with all the characters. Yeah, I think it was a bit of a flop. Yeah, and that's yeah. a good nomination though. We'll take that to complete yeah, yeah. our top cool. five. You hadn't, you wish you hadn't revisited. Okay, already uh, a big hit with our audience. We're going to talk about memorable movie injuries. Who wants to set the ball rolling on this one? Can I can I start and be rude? If I right, go for it. Right, I'll go for in the film. Uh, oh, actually, this, this could actually follow in last week's category. Unbreakable with Bruce Willis when Mr. Glass Samuel L. Jackson falls down the stairs. Ooh, yeah, and he's got oh. brittle bone syndrome. And everything snaps and breaks and, and you hear it and it's emphasized with the fact he's called Mr. Glass. And then you see the next shot of him in a wheelchair with 
various pins running through his arms and his reconstructed limbs. But you just think, how? Uh, anything to do with broken legs, broken. Oh, oh. <laughs> got a few of those. <laughs> That's a good one, Howie. Though, because I, I do remember wincing at that yes. scene. Yeah. yeah, and it's inevitable. It's super slow. Him. L- 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 it's super slow as he goes towards the edge of the... I think it's subway steps or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I'll, I'll open up with that one. I have Monty Python and the Holy Grail, the Black Knight. Um, <laughs> he gets all of his limbs cut off one by one. It's just a flesh wound. Yeah, he doesn't want to deny anything. You know, he doesn't want to stop himself uh, from I'll fighting. I'll bite you. Yeah, I'll bite you. I'll bite you. Yeah, fantastic. And it's made even better because there's blood spurting absolutely everywhere. It's an absolute classic. There's yeah. some pretty hideous injuries. That's a great that's a great nomination. When I uh first heard you guys say this, I thought you meant injuries that happened on movie sets. Oh. I've I've got so, some of those too. Yeah, I was gonna say there's quite a few of those. Yeah. You have- so I looked up one that I, I looked up that I thought was badass and could could work for both. Linda Hamilton, did you guys see this one where she yeah. hurt her knees? Yeah, she, because she had to keep falling down during that one scene with the uh, the janitor. So when it came time to actually hit the janitor with a broomstick, she full on whacked the shit <laughs> out of the janitor with the broomstick because he kept making her have to do the scene over and over oh, again. Really? And just to prove what a badass Linda she Hamilton is, is oh. she lost her part of her hearing. In that yeah. scene in the elevator where Arnold Schwarzenegger was firing that gun. Yeah, so, that's right. God, yeah. That baddest bitch on the planet, Linda Hamilton. Yes. Howie, uh, you've spent quite a long time on your knees over the years. <laughs> any, you know, any. Yeah, because I have, yeah, because, well, I have to go to that level to talk to you. So we're eye level, <laughs> you fucking midget. <laughs> I've got one that's, it's very personal to me. It's Jeff Goldblum as. Not the injured party, but the one causing the injury. It's the fly. Oh, the oh, the arm wrestling. The arm wrestling scene, oh! which is I I rewatched it again today just to remind myself no, of that. No, no, and it is horrendous. And I didn't have exactly the same. I didn't have the bone break injury, but I did have an arm wrestling injury where my my bicep was ripped off my. Arm. Oh! Um, and you've still and got a really horrible scar on your arm, haven't I've you? I've got a great big scar, yeah, and I, for the, it just still doesn't oh, sit right on my look. bicep. Oh, um, that is not the arm I expected to see. Can you flex that again? Let me see that. Let me see those guns. <laughs> it, it a look at is you. That, is that it, do, it doesn't. The, yeah, just, I've got colouring in on there. But is yeah, that, the, um, the bicep never it got reattached, but it, it has never um, been Ooh. the same since. And so when I think of arm wrestling injuries like that, mm. it's obviously, it brings it all back, even though I was very, very drunk at the time. Yeah. <laughs> and thus, were, were, you didn't feel any pain. No, I didn't. Yeah, no. yeah, good man, good man. So is it common for large bearded men to have tattoos all over their body? Is this a, a Jersey yeah. thing? Sidey's in the Yakuza. <laughs> at the moment, I've only, got, I've only got the arm, but you never know. It might it might get some more at another, another stage. Yeah, very expensive. Might, yes, and big waiting times, isn't it? Yeah, cool. Uh, I'll stick with Jeff Goldblum because now we're on the topic of that. There is another injury, which well, it's when his fingernail comes off in the fly. That oh, for me, yeah. Well, that for me, I know it's well, it's not really an injury, but it's more well, it, it's a, it's a it's a, it's an event that's caused by the incident of him trying to teleport. 
but it is gross when that nail comes off and the squirting. If you've ever hit your finger with a hammer as well and the nails come off. Oh, yeah. The one that I was going to go for specifically was in Total Recall. Now, we kind of reviewed this. Now, this might not count because there is a death at the end of it almost where there is. It's when Michael Ironside's character, Richter, gets his arms ripped (laughs) off by the lift. So Arnie's got hold of his hands and the lift just snaps him off and he plummets to an inevitable alien there's no confirmed death. kill, I suppose. So yes, there's no confirmed kill. That, but we, yeah, he's on a stretcher somewhere and, and <laughs> yeah. resuscitated. Yeah, but it's 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 really, really gross. And I still think about that. I, I always still think about that for some reason when we're in a lift. Doesn't Arnie just sort of casually just toss his arms yeah, over the yeah. side? <laughs> See you at the party, Victor. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Brilliant. Vince Vega, Mr. Blonde, cutting off that cop's ear in Reservoir Dogs just for the lols. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty savage. It, it's almost worse because he's tied up and, you know, he just says to him straight away, yeah, I'm not going to bullshit you, all right? I'm, I don't give a fuck about what you're going to tell me. I'm just going to torture you just for the lols. So, yeah, yeah it's pretty correct. horrible. Similarly graphic, Hot Shots part <laughs> Rowan Atkinson's Dexter <laughs> gets his shoelaces tied together. That's it. That's the extent of the torture. (laughs) Topper Harley, played memorably by Charlie Sheen, says, are not those bastards. But one I was going to nominate, which sort of straddles the line of of fiction and fact, is Jackass number two. One of the stunts has Bam Margera, who I think is now dead, isn't he? No, 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 it's not. No, it was was Ryan Dunn who... Oh, that's right, Ryan Dunn. He has a penis-shaped iron branded on his ass and then later on memorably in the movie the crew shows the branded ass cheeks to his parents yeah and the long, are, long suffering parents spectacular yeah yeah i always used to laugh at jackass when they did the atomic wedgie if you remember those <laughs> that was amazing to- <laughs> yeah it had its time it was funny. And now you look back and go, geez, crikey. Still funny, Harry. What are you talking about? Still funny. Yeah. <laughs> I had Reservoir Dogs. I also had Misery. Oh. Yeah. oh Classic. <laughs> <laughs> the the hammer to yeah. the feet Can't that are it. against the cinder. Was they like a block? Yeah, oh, yeah she puts a block in between his oh, ankles. and then I can't watch that. She's telling him this horrific story about how they used to hobble people from diamond mines. It's different in the book. I think in the book, she actually com- she completely chops his feet off and then cauterizes the stumps with a blowtorch. But I actually oh. think it's worse in the film that they're just sort of broken and hanging there. Yeah, it's horrible. And having sort of quite memorably broken um, a leg in a quite a horrible fashion a few years ago, I still feel quite squicky about that scene. Oh. This was in those French... Mosh pits, right? Yeah. Uh, no, this was actually on my university graduation night. I managed to sort of step off some steps sideways and fall quite horribly. Yeah. Yeah, that's a che- cheery story, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Talking about hobbled feet, r- misery, right? Misery is the... Yeah. Ugh, mm. That one was bad. But I think that the worst one was American History X. Have you guys yeah, know the, the teeth? Uh, yeah, oh. so... Oh. Now, I was trying to talk with my buddies about this, and we were trying to figure this out. Are we talking injuries or death? Because I my never friends know. were saying that would probably kill you. I think it 
Yeah, it it, it must do surely. I mean, right? Uh, if you smash their head with their teeth against a curb, you're you're drilling the the entire <laughs> curb into their skull. Do you think this is one for MythBusters? <laughs> <laughs> this week on Mythbusters, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I kind of always assumed that that would kill him, but I, I don't know. Sidey, you looked not. Convinced. I went the other way. I I assumed that he survived it. Just oh, broke, really? Broke dislocate jaw, which which makes it better for our list because that's a really good one. Yeah, yeah. That, is, that is a really good one. Oh. I don't want to argue with the guy with the entire sleeve arm tattoo that flexes. So <laughs> I will agree. With you. Okay, I'm going to go with it's another leg injury, but this is Rose McGowan in Planet Terror as Cherry. Oh, she, yeah. She has her leg torn off in a zombie attack, but rather than cry and moan about it, at first she has the stump attached to an old table leg, which she uses to smash Quentin Tarantino in the face yeah. and, then, and then stab him in the eye. And then once the table leg's gone, she attacks a modified M4 carbine assault rifle with M203 <laughs> grenade launcher to the stump. And just generally kicks ass. It's fucking brilliant. <laughs> that is making the best of a bad situation. Yeah, it? just you just got to get on with life, you know. It's um, a lesson to us all. One. Yeah, it's a good one. I'm going to uh, now reference a film that I thought I would never go near in my lifetime, but was forced to because of this fucking podcast, and that's Midsummer. <laughs> I was thinking about this one as well. <laughs> <laughs> and Adam, I don't know if you've had a chance to watch this. Uh, or you, you know that myself and Dan are not horror aficionados or any form of. Per- mild peril and both of us are crying but we watch midsummer and there is a scene where the village elders once they reach an age jump off um, a granite cliff in front of the as- assembled villagers head first and they plummet mainly to their death one of them jumps and dies the second one jumps and doesn't quite die and you see quite graphically that they've kind of slammed from about 50 feet up onto a granite plinth and there's a lot of limbs sticking out of bones snapped and and then to finish them off the the, L, the the rest of the village go oh we've got to finish him off and they they sledgehammer through the head so they've got um, this giant ceremonial hammer haven't they? It's yeah. just and it's all very like matter of fact and oh it's for the best it's for the best but when they hit that slab oh my god and he he lays there and kind of makes a <laughs> and it's just oh god so why are you making me watch this regal why so, yeah, yeah. so the injury stands because it didn't kill him although he did die from a he died from the hammer from the separate okay yeah i like that i was thinking about whether whether to nominate that or not but i didn't want to think too long and hard about midsummer because it was so uh, (laughs) affecting i suppose somewhat topically as we've sort of vaguely christmas themed tonight got die hard that oh, after yeah. noticing that John McClane is walking around with no shoes on, oh. Alan Rickman orders his men to shoot the glass in a gunfight. And of course, he runs across broken glass on bare feet. And it, mm. you know, it's the same. If you've got kids, then you've probably stepped on Lego and fate you wor- will spend the rest of your life limping as John McClane <laughs> does the rest <laughs> of the film. Yeah, I always now think of whenever you sort of walk around barefoot, you, you do think of. Mm, Die hard. Yeah. The door and a pull shards out of my feet. I like that one because it's it's not often that the the villains sort of use any sort of intelligence and it's for they you know, they use that situation to their advantage to mm. to take out the goodie. And it was I thought it was quite rare that you actually see them do that rather than just aimlessly firing machine guns around. It was good. <laughs> just watched that movie again maybe two or three days ago mm, with nice. the wife. We were hanging out watching it. 
and Alan Rickman. You could just see oh, the amazing. development of that of that person as a character. Yes, if they cast Alan Rickman to be Alan Rickman in yeah. movies later on. So and you could see it for in this in this movie. He was just so good. He was they, so good. They tried to extend it out. In, is it Die Hard Three with Jeremy Irons? Simple Simon. Yeah. Simple Simon. And it yeah. just yeah. kind of it's doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't really work. So oh, you were talking about about glass. What about where Leo smashes his hand oh. onto the table during yeah, yeah. Django? Yeah, yeah. And uh, the glass gets cut into his hand, and the, he keeps shooting the scene as he's picking real glass out of his real bloody hand, yeah. and then ends that scene with the fist where the blood is dripping through the. Uh, Whatever it is, he wrapped around his hand some kind of cloth, yeah, and it, and that's how it ends. And that was not part of the scene, and he just kept going in character. Yeah, it was quite it's a long a scene gr- as well. It's yeah. a great choice, that one, because it all adds to the menace in the scene. And then, of course, when you realize that it wasn't a special effect, it was something that happened, and they just kept on rolling, you, re- you, know, you realize what a terrific performance it is from Leo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that one. Do you reckon when the camera stopped, he literally went, oh, fuck! Go on, link to that then. Well, linked in, the, in the, it's a similar sort of injury, which is Brad Pitt in Seven. He he put his hand through a window yeah. and caused severe. Yeah, I don't know if that bit made it the, the actual injury onto the screen, but it caused severe tendon damage to his hand, and that's why a lot of the film he's wearing a sling and a yeah. and his arm up. It's a real onset snafu that caused him to. They had to check, you know, alter the film because of it. I didn't know that. That's a good one. Yeah, I got a, I got a couple more that I that are probably my top. These are my top three. So, go for the, it. The first one, it's it's a little bit cheating. It's not a movie. It's a TV show. That's allowed. But it's what caused us to stop watching The Walking Dead, and that's when Glenn <laughs> gets hit on the head with what's the name of that Lucille. the barbed wire Lucille. And his eye goes popping oh, out of his man, that's head, horrible. and his yeah. brain ends up smashing down the backside of his. That was just <laughs> awful. We yeah. watched that. We turned off Walking Dead. We have not watched it since, and we are the better for it. <laughs> Lots of people did the same. <laughs> yeah. We were like, yeah. "Oh, you killed our I avatar. Mean, I, we're done." I I did end up turning it off, but only because it just went completely shit (laughs) (laughs) really boring it had been boring for a while but yeah was it eight seasons it hit i think it must be on about nine or ten now yeah i I think they've announced that it is finishing but they just started another spin-off series which is sort of it's like kids isn't it it's It's like like a preteen version walking dead but like netflix sort of kids version it's called the running dead Just One thing I really like, though, is that the actual graphic novel that is really good, that it, the, the original series, they just ended it without telling anybody they were going to end it. It was sort yeah. of like in the middle of a big storyline, and it was a really interesting way for them to just finish what had been one of the longest-running graphic novels of <laughs> ever. I was going to go for the most horrific of all injuries in any film. This will win. Something about Mary, the Frank and the Bean. Absolutely. <laughs> that is, not only is there a physical 
element to this but there is the psychological humiliation element of every fucking person yeah. who happens to be nearby and all emergency services and the parade as he comes out of the house afterwards we got is, a bleeder we got a bleeder <laughs> how the hell did you get the frank above the beans and it's just fucking hell it's um, that like half a second close-up oh, that you get yeah. Yeah. the oh. zipper <laughs> with the kind of Whatever it is, the cockle. Whatever is, that I'm not is, sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> protruding through, yeah. And Ben Stiller's, to be fair, Ben Stiller's face when he does it, it's yeah. just, it's the whole thing. It's horrific. Yeah. So I'll, I'll go for the go for go for the the the, the pure the puerile idiocy injury from something like about one. Mary. Riggs. Obviously, in 1984's The Karate Kid. The evil karate instructor, what's his name? Crease orders yeah. one of his students Christ. to break Daniel's leg. Oh. Which does he do? I don't know. But obviously, Mr. Miyagi sets the injury and he fights his bullying nemesis, William Zabka, aka no, Johnny. It wasn't. Johnny was the wronged party in this whole thing. Cobra Kai has taught us that. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> what absolutely. a terrific series Cobra Kai is. Still Have you seen, seen the trailer it. for season three? Have you seen three? the new trailer? Yeah, yeah uh, I just saw it. Fucking looks awesome. Yeah, it does. It does. I can't believe that show is just way better than it has any right to be. <laughs> it's my Christmas viewing that's going to be. Yeah. I met William Zabka. Actually. Oh, really? Yeah, he was here at some kind of uh, con, right? Him and yeah. Hacksaw Jim Duggan and. <laughs> Jay amazing from amazing silent bob this is you know <laughs> 10 years ago so you could see the type of people that, that were they were pulling from but yeah i met him i took a picture with him posted on facebook i was like way to make it to the big time so <laughs> cool. was he a nice guy or? he was he was a nice guy but you could tell you know this this was his life at the at this yeah. time he, yeah, yeah he was the guy who showed up and took pictures with people at cons now yeah. you know now he's back back in the, in the big time yeah yeah, yeah. so very cool absolutely and chosen chosen's gonna be back i'm looking forward to seeing chosen in the new uh, cobra kai series did you see that at the very end where he said so he said at the end of the trailer he said something like has mr miyagi taught you everything that you were supposed to learn uh well yeah i did see that but who and is it's that the guy bald, that's the guy from okinawa the guy that he fought that yeah, because they almost the, killed. Where he would like use the drum technique. Yeah, because the girls, the girls back in it as well. I can't remember her name, but she yeah, was yeah. super hot. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I didn't make the connection. That's brilliant. Yeah, chosen. Great name. Cool. I'm gonna chuck another nomination out there. How about Ronald Lacey, who was the evil Nazi Gestapo guy, Major Tot Tote? He picks up the medallion artifact thing that's been in the flames oh! and sees the image hands. of it into oh, his hand yeah good which we yeah. later see as he does a zeke heil to as he enters the tent and it's just another burning nazi is always good to see he, he th- this will be lost on adam but he looks very much like our current one of our uk politicians michael gove so <laughs> that's unfortunately lost on you, Adam. But he's like the chancellor. He's—I think he's the Dutchy chancellor or something. Something to do with the government, major UK government. Boris Johnson's right-hand man. He's a jerk off <laughs> as well. I was just going to uh, just before I forget. The, the, there's a film, friend of your people, Riggs, Mel Gibson. Have you mm-hmm. seen Payback? Yeah, yeah. Where it's he a gets torture his, scene, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, where he gets his uh, his 
bare feet hit with hammers on concrete floor. You don't really see it that much. You can walk that off. (laughs) Just wear flip-flops for the rest of your life with your webbed feet. (laughs) What about uh, Braveheart? Oh, yeah. Where he gets gets it all the way up. Yeah, hung, drawn, quartered, isn't it, or something? I think we've talked about something like this before where we weren't quite sure what the exact terms were, but he basically gets gutted and his bowels pulled out, doesn't he, while he's shouting freedom. Is that the one you mean, Adam? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, there was probably several in that movie, <laughs> now that I think about it. It's not a good way to go, let's put it that way. It's not, it's not how you would have wanted to go. <laughs> no. I always thought in The Matrix Revolutions that Neo is commendably indifferent to the fact that his eyes have been burnt out. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> which is a pretty savage injury. But the one I was going to nominate was 127 Hours, which is a Danny Boyle movie about the real-life mountain climber Aaron Ralston, played by James Franco. Now, obviously, this is a true story that when hiking in Utah, he dislodges a boulder climbing a narrow canyon and ends up with his right arm pinned under the boulder. Uh, I really like this movie for its sort of no-man-is-an-island-type fable element to it and the typically interesting Danny Boyle music choices, including Bill Withers' Lovely Day and the incredible use of Sigur Ross's festival in the euphoric moments when he's freed himself. But obviously the scene I'm referencing is when Aaron has to use his own weight as talk to break the bones in his arm, then cut oh. the damn thing off. Oh. A Swiss army knife. Yeah, those, yeah. those incredibly yeah. unsharp objects. Oh. Yeah, There's a lot of things that we've spoken about so far that are just injuries that happen in the film, but this is the the injury that is the film, you know, that we've all gone to see this film just to see this, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's the whole point of the film. We're all here. It's like going to watch Formula One. You're there to see a crash. Uh, this this film, you're here to see his arm come off. I mean, that's the whole point. And, and you get teased a few times in it. There's memorably in the opening scenes, there's a lingering shot of a Swiss Army knife in Ralston's cupboard. And, you know, yeah. it's teased a few times. Mm. I really like that film, actually. I do as well. I've yeah. only seen it once, but mind you, but I really enjoyed it in, in the in the way you can enjoy someone cutting their own <laughs> yeah, arm off. Really enjoyed watching him <laughs> savagely cut his hack his hand off like a yeah. blind butcher. Yeah. He's a motivational speaker now. Him and what's the guy's name? Like Willing Helmer, the blind man who hiked Everest. They go on speaking tours together, and they were speaking at the university I was at. Okay. Oh, cool. Yeah, I bet it is quite motivating. I can imagine that'd be quite inspirational. Mm. Yeah, it would inspire you to get a sharp bloody knife. <laughs> inspire you not to go mountain climbing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> how, about, go on, how about Peter Weller in Robocop? Yeah, oh, I thought, I thought about that. I was going to put he's, that. He's sent on a fool's errand to track down Clarence mm. Bodica and his, his drug gang. And uh, he comes off a little bit the worse for wear when he's discovered by them. Let's mm. just say they rough him up a little bit. Yeah. That scene is like burned into my brain where he's getting shot repeatedly. It's horrible. Yeah, I was dead young when I saw this. I yeah. mean, I think it's another it was one of those a, a, gateway a strict, films. Yeah, it was a, you know, an 18, an absolute sir 18. Yeah. I must have been 11, Seven? 12, something yeah. like that when I saw it. And yeah. it was too young. I didn't see this movie until I was in my 20s. It was brutally violent. I mean, one of the most violent things I've still ever seen on film, you know. Awful. Brilliant. 
Have any of you guys seen Black Rain with Michael Douglas? No. I've seen the poster for it. Yeah, see, this is... He looks this, like a badass on the poster. Yeah, see, this is one that I might recommend to the chaps to watch for a midweek review at some point. It's with... Oh, no, I've forgotten his name. He's in Ocean's Eleven. Nick, someone. Oh, no. Oh, bugger. Anyway, Michael Douglas, and it's about the Japanese triads, and there's a guy called Sato... Sato, and he has to prove his loyalty to the local Yakuza by chopping off his little finger with a knife. Oh. And it's hor- It's just, it's a, it's a sign of proving yourself you're, 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 that you're, you'll do anything for the cause. And it's very graphic. And when he cuts off his little finger, that's when Michael Douglas kind of does a bust and a raid on the place. And there's a fight where he goes to punch him. And he punches with this finger that's wrapped in, in and it's and, and he, you just see his face and it's proper. Oh, and then he pulls his hand back, and I think Douglas then crushes it with his hand as well. Oh. But yeah, um, Black Rain's a really, really good film. It's 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 got your non-favorite Kate Capshaw in it, Sidey. Oh God, really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Andy Garcia. That's it. Andy Garcia plays a, a likable character. Which is quite unusual. That's quite um, rare, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. he's really like. He's, yeah, he's called Nick. That's the name I was. He's like with the Untouchables. Oh yeah, yeah. Good point. Yeah. One of the movies I thought had the best torture scene was Clockwork Orange. Oh yeah. Mm. Shit, I you know the, about that. the the parts where he's got his eyes peeled yeah, back yeah. with the with the metal objects, and the guy kept coming in and dropping those eye drops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Kubrick, Kubrick didn't go easy on him. Eye doctor. That was really worried that he, he really lose his vision. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, Kubrick likes to do a couple of takes of these things. Yeah, <laughs> and his his <laughs> eyes were scratched to fuck. They yeah. really damaged him. Yeah, that's crazy. But I one more. I just got one more that I thought was great, and that was uh, Homer Simpson falling down Springfield <laughs> Gorge. Oh, yeah, yes. good call. Good call. <laughs> That's and then a great on, show. And, and, and on the way back up as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then back on the way down again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Riggs? Death Becomes Her, featuring Goldie uh, Horn oh. and your favourite Meryl <laughs> Streep, Sidey. <laughs> Using CGI that was really highly ambitious for the early 90s. It, in fact, won an Academy Award for Best Visual Effects. It's a story of two murderous, vanity-corrupted women who cling to their beauty past the point of their own deaths uh, and drink a magic potion that restores their youth and makes them immortal but not invulnerable. So you end up with, I think, Goldie Horn ends up with a giant hole through the middle of her torso streep ends up with her neck on backwards she says at one point i can see my own ass even at the end of the movie when they fall down the stairs and break into several pieces and their severed heads are lying next to each other they're talking about where they parked the car and and, and the end of the movie is set like 40 years after the sort of climax of the film so you can just imagine and then basically just rotting corpses patched together with paint and glue so yeah, fun times. <laughs> cool. I got a couple more real Go on, ones. Then. Halle Berry in Gothica, Robert Downey Jr. has a scene where he's supposed to restrain her. He twisted her arm um, and it broke. Robert Downey Jr. actually heard the sound of it pop. Oh. Production had to be postponed for eight weeks while the arm healed, but they remain good friends to this day. I um, haven't seen that movie. Daryl Hannah in Blade Runner, she chipped her elbow and, yeah. and still has a scar following an accident on set um, when she's running away in the rain. She put her 
elbow through a car window, I think. Some not real ones, though, and this is a movie that we've kind of mentioned before, but it's never been nominated or anything. Ryan Gosling in The Nice Guys, when mm. when Russell Crowe goes around to deliver the message to him, yeah, they have a bit of a fight, and eventually he's got him pinned down. Crowe says, when you talk to your doctor, you tell him you've got a spiral fracture of the less radius. And Gosling's like, what? And then he just... Bang! Just like snaps his arm, and it, you hear that noise and the, the yelp. It's another arm injury that makes me cringe. And then another movie that we we spoke just last week about was Naked Gun. O.J. Simpson has the the initial bust of the drugs gang where he's shot, burnt, has his leg in a bear trap, and nearly drowns. Is uh, definitely window slam as well. Yeah, yeah. and wet yeah. paint, of course. Yep. Always a winner to nominate O.J. Simpson. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Always. The juice. A winner. Have you guys seen The Cell with, that with Jennifer, Jennifer Lopez? Yeah, Jen- Jennifer I Lopez. have. Yeah, that's yeah. a strange movie. Yeah. Where they're hanging by the fish hooks. Do you oh. remember this scene? Yeah, with the they've got hooks in their back, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, ouch. Yeah, there's a similar one to that. In a, it's an old cow. I think it's an old cowboy one. I vaguely remember it. Someone at work mentioned it to me today. It's called A Man Called Horse. And it's. I think it's when he goes to the the Indian settlement. And he has hooks. In order to prove his allegiance to the tribe, they put hooks through his nipples and spin him around a totem pole. Oh, nice. <laughs> it's horrific. And I remember it being like a Western that was on like on a sort of a Saturday afternoon on our sort of BBC Channel 2 or something. Well, I was just sat and watching my dad going, oh, uh, help. <laughs> Don't know if this should really be on, but grim. I've just got two two more, I think. The 1999 Japanese horror movie directed by Takashi Miike Audition is about a widower, Ayoma, whose son suggests he should find a new wife interviewing or auditioning several women, including Asami. Ayama is a bit of a sexist pig, but he probably doesn't deserve the final moments of this movie where an unhinged Asami tortures him by putting needles in the poor guy's eyes, tapping them in very slowly, then cutting his feet off with a saw. Why the fuck are you watching stuff like this? <laughs> it's What's a really wrong good with movie. You? It's a really good movie. And in 12 Monkeys, <laughs> Cole, which is another movie that I really like, removes his own teeth with a stolen knife oh. in front of another guy. And it's an interesting subversion because you think he's going to torture the other guy. And then he obviously takes out his own teeth because he thinks that the, the future people can track him through time. Mm. Yeah. Nice. Hmm. Any more for any more? I got an honourable mention for Jaws, the opening scene with the the good-looking girl in the in the sea. They tied a kind of, I think it was maybe just something as basic as a couple of ropes around her to get the thrashing around effect of of the shark biting, and I think they nearly broke her back. It was very <laughs> seriously they they really damaged her quite severely. Oh, so there's another real one that made it into the actual film. But that's it for me. Cool. Honorable mention, you you got to mention Jackie Chan whenever you're mentioning yeah. it, just injuries in general, yeah. real and uh, fake. Hasn't he got a hole in his head from one of the police? Um, <laughs> I think he has holes all over. He's like David Blaine with all the <laughs> holes that he's got all over his body. Some Human of the Sif. credit scenes where you see the stunts going wrong are just breathtakingly awful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, he was in Enter the Dragon. Yeah. Yes. With Bruce yeah. Lee. Yeah, for like two seconds. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Should we 
get this down to a top four. Let's do yeah. that. Adam, what do you want to put in? Oh, man. So we'll go one my one at a time. I would say Misery would be my top choice. Yeah, that's a good it's one. Great good choice. choice. Riggs? I'm torn between a couple. Yeah, I, I'm really torn between Reservoir Dogs, Die Hard, and, but I'm going to go for Monty Python and the Holy Grail. I'm going to go for the Black Knight. That's, <laughs> that's a good shot. Howie, what you got? I'll go for something about Mary, the Frank and the Beans. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to go for Rose McGowan in Planet Terror because she turns the injury into her advantage. It's a good one. <laughs> like that. Like that. Yes. Right, this week's movie came about because of the shocking revelation that a couple of us hadn't seen Gremlins. Yeah. So we, we, so we watched Gremlins. It does put it outside of our usual time frame, but fuck it. It's, uh, it's, it's a Christmas movie, so it is, it's very it apt for this time of year. I'll let my kids watch it with me, and my kids are eight and ten, and they... I feel uh, like that they, was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I, feel like I did think about panel. letting my daughter watch it, I have to say. Really? Yeah, they, I yeah, they, didn't. They loved it. But I, I still think... I think I might let her watch it. It was all right. Yeah. I, I don't get what... See, I, I obviously looked into it, and I saw the furore about... The fact that at the time of release, this was 15, it was seen as an absolute devil film. People were horrified by it. And like I watched it with my kids and I, there was one scene that I felt, I actually, I actually quickly pressed the fast forward bit because I guessed it. And then the rest of it, I just let them watch. And that was the scene involving the scientist. Oh, no. That, it's the bit that when I was yeah. a kid... Utterly terrified me, yeah. but should we get to that bit yeah, when yeah, we yeah, do but, the walkthrough? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the scene that I think I would not like my daughter to, to listen to is when Phoebe Cates talks about her dad, but we'll get onto that later yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, does anybody, and if you have looked this up, then don't speak now, but does anybody want to have any kind of guess at when this movie was released? It was obviously 1984, Was, but any kind of guess at what, what part of the year? I, I won't speak. Uh, you would well, you would assume, assume in December, wouldn't you? You would assume you would. that, but it was June the eighth. Was same, the, same day as Ghostbusters? Indeed, really? Yeah, no what way. a day that was. But yeah, I feel that this is is genuinely a Christmas movie. Yeah. Well, I I was on Twitter as I tend to do, and there was a post from someone, a tweet, and it said they were talking about Die Hard, but the same applies. And they said, claiming that Die Hard is a Christmas movie is toxic masculinity. Oh, Jesus. Right. Discuss. What's the argument? No, they're just saying it's a fucking action film. That's the whole argument. That's it. This is the the criteria for something being a Christmas movie. It's set at Christmas. Yeah. That's it. That's all you need. Uh, I mean, otherwise, what do you need? A fucking film of people opening their Christmas presents. Fuck off. (laughs) This is a Christmas film. That's... The only thing it needs is a setting of Christmas. The yeah. end. Yeah. 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 The, thing, the thing my kids picked up on, this is a obvious one, for, but the kids picked up on it. She, so Cara, my littlest, said, well, sorry, my oldest daughter even, she said, it's all snow and everything, but you couldn't see people's breaths. And she goes, it's clearly been filmed in the summer. Their breasts? 
The breath. The breath. The breath. breath. The breath. breath. Yeah, you couldn't, couldn't see anyone's see breasts. breasts. As an 11 year old girl, I'm really first, unhappy about this. First times at Ridgemont High, if you want to do that. For, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Or Gremlins too, because you get the yeah. the transsexual Gremlin. Oh, yeah, end. you do. Yeah. Well, this was definitely filmed in Los Angeles. As a matter of fact, I looked this up, and this was filmed in the same spot that Hill Valley. Yeah. Oh, no so way. did you guys see this? That, that, that I had no setting. idea. I didn't so, remember that at the time, but I, when I was watching it again for this, I did think this looks a lot like the square from uh, Back to the Future. So I yeah. looked it up and, and it was. But the whole film, I thought, just looked like the most clearly filmed on a lot. Yes. Nothing about it looked real to me. Yeah. So my my last trip to Los Angeles, I went to Universal Studios. Yeah. And you can do the backlot tour at Universal Studios. Yeah. Yeah. And when I was going on that tour, they were filming the the Grinch, and Jim Carrey was filming, and the the tram driver told this story about how when they were filming, Whoville is right next to the Bates Motel. So they said that Jim Carrey one time came out in a hood and a fake knife out of the Bates Motel and jumped into the back of the tram and started scaring all the passengers in the tram and then jumped off. And uh, and so you could take this tram and they'll take you through Hill Valley. And I think that the the avenue is Wisteria Lane because that's just right up the... Right up the street from yeah. Hill Valley in the back lot of Universal yeah. Studios. Right. Yeah, it's a quality tour that. Yeah, definitely do the do the tour if you. Get I've a been on that. Yeah, it is really good. Yeah, King Kong and the earthquake and yeah, 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 yeah. The movie opens with a sort of voiceover from Randall Peltzer, full-time crappy inventor, <laughs> that really kind of sets the tone for the movie which is one of sort of fable type storytelling you know there's no suggestion in in many ways that this is taking place in a real universe anyway he's kind of led down the stairs searching for christmas presents for his son billy to probably the one place you wouldn't go at the moment a chinese market (laughs) Um, (laughs) and amongst the bats and pangolins he finds he's in the snack aisle was he (laughs) (laughs) he finds he finds gizmo the mogwai mogwai is cantonese for devil is it really yeah Adam's there you daughter. Go, Adam. You Ad- can... Adam's daughter would probably yeah. have known that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I know Gui. What's a Guilai? Guilai is white devil, and that's what they call <laughs> foreigners who come to the mainland of China. They oh my okay. okay. So there you go. The uh... the owner, Mister Wing, doesn't want to sell the creature to Randall, but his grandson sort of needs the cash. Yeah, needs so he the, sort yeah. of sold him behind his back, didn't he? he just yeah, I think he he was just going to pocket the money, you know, which is a bit underhand. This so this so the start to this reminded me very much of Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, that's the sort of, yes, that's yeah, the sort of that feeling, feeling I got it. from this. Oh, one little bit of movie trivia, you know, the sort of broken down car that's in the very first shot. Yeah, it's a gremlin. It's an AMC Gremlin. Yeah. Um, oh, nice. 
course nice. it would be. The grandson secretly sells the Mogwai to Mr. Peltzer and then gives him three important rules that must never be broken. Do not expose the Mogwai to light, especially sunlight, which will kill it. Don't let it come in contact with water. And above all... Don't tickle its balls. No, yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. That's rule number four. Yeah, rule number uh, three: never feed it after midnight. Now, right. I, which is I fundamentally flawed. Think <laughs> if the rules are really so important, and it becomes clear that they are very important, these rules, why wouldn't you tell him about the consequences? <laughs> it's not just don't get him wet. It's don't get him wet because you'll have a proliferation of these beings in your house. It's not just don't feed them after midnight it's don't feed them after midnight or you'll create a race of killing machines i feel like that's added information that's needed (laughs) well the 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 sunlight one was added because it's just easier to film them at night that that was why that was brought in Um, oh was it really yeah 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 you could do a lot of tricks with shadows yeah exactly darkness yeah that makes sense i I just think you didn't get it well i didn't here's what i didn't get we're all dads here. Yeah. Would you give your kid a toy <laughs> that had these rules attached to it ever? <laughs> to be honest, after the weekend we've had, giving my kid a sort of apocalyptic homicidal monster just seems like a really good idea. <laughs> but yeah, in general, I do understand the point you're making, Adam. Yeah. So Billy, I, I don't get it. Billy was older than my kids he kind of seemed like a <laughs> mid-20s i don't know he was like living at home working at a bank working at the bank he seemed like a bit of a slacker but his best friend seemed to be an 11 year old boy which that was be... slightly odd wasn't it yeah. <laughs> it was pre-fame cory feldman yes who could have stole the show if you'd given him more lines yes. yeah he hadn't hidden him in a tree for half of the movie <laughs> right <laughs> So anyway, shock horror, shock horror. Yes, they don't. They don't really obey all those rules, do they? <laughs> no, and really, within about the first two seconds of the of the Mogwai being at home, they've already like blinded it with light. Then the twatty friend spills some water from some paints on him. Really fucking reckless, that. Yeah, which of course results in asexual reproduction which yeah. is basically it's the same way you had your children isn't it howie yeah no I, <laughs> mine i bought mine at a shop yeah it was like, it was like pick and mix yeah, just i think the irony place. is if you'd have just sprayed the liquid all over the back of the other one then you wouldn't be in this <laughs> position in the first place fucking hell <laughs> so when, uh, when when they do break the rules then and they get them wet hmm is it then that they will always be mischievous versions of Mogwai? It's like inbreeding. Gizmo. Isn't it? Because how how did Gizmo ever come to be and he was nice, whereas every other mm. is uh, just a pain in the ass or just an absolute homicidal maniac? I always took it as like, you know, when back in the 80s, if you ever like, you'd get a video you'd rent it or whatever and it had the little tabs yeah on the top and you'd put oh, some sellotype yeah. over the top of it so that you could record it but the quality of the recording is never quite as good as the original and that's yeah. what i thought was happening with the mogwais yeah so in the 
book, the Mogwai were an artificial life form designed by an alien race to be ambassadors of peace through the cosmos. They were sent out before it was learned that things were highly unstable and select few were left on Earth. They lived long, peaceful lives until they chose to exchange that for short, exciting lives as gremlins. <laughs> they instinctively know what happens if they eat after midnight. So both Stripe and Gizmo made a conscious decision, although opposite ones. Uh, no idea there was such a developed law behind it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, part. you definitely get the feeling that Gizmo refuses the food, doesn't he? Because they, they get offered some chicken. Mm. Yeah. They, the Stripe and his cronies, they've, they've knackered the clock so that Billy doesn't realise that it's past midnight. But the point, and this is the, the thing that everyone raises about this film, is that it's always past midnight. Right, where? <laughs> so it's, it's always, no matter what time of day, it's always past midnight. I hadn't thought of that. But this, this whole thing is memorably taken down in Gremlins 2. It is, it? yeah. Which I really like that movie as well. I always understood it to mean... Two, one of two things, either the hour between 12 and 1 or between 12 and sunrise. I, I, was, I assume it means night time, yeah. But it's not stipulated. It's not, it's not. Um, we get an appearance from Judge Reinhold. Yeah. Yes. Which was meant to be, I think, a much bigger part, but I guess in most of it ended up on the cutting room floor because he's only really in it for one sort of bit of bullying He's introduced as this yuppie twat and you're yeah. waiting for him to get his comeuppance yeah. and it never really happens. No. I think what happened to him, he, he was terrorised by some gremlins and was seen in the bank vault and he'd basically lost his marbles and gone insane, but that never made it into the final mm. version of the movie. I have to say as well, you do get freaked out by Judge Reinhold's appearance because I know what that guy does when he's in a movie with Phoebe Cates and doesn't yeah. think anyone is watching him. And uh, yeah, would you have done any different? <laughs> oh man, I've seen that scene a few times. <laughs> <laughs> Phoebe Cates, she is—I think she's an absolute babe, and she great in this. When because Billy or uh, what's the guy's name, Zach Galligan. Uh, Zach Ga Galligan was was pretty much an unknown, and but it was during the the casting they were doing some test sequences or whatever, and Spielberg really liked the two of them together because it looked like Zach was actually in love with her. You know, he'd be, he was, there was real chemistry, probably more from him projecting towards her. So that was the reason that, that he was cast in this because he, he really hit it off with Phoebe Cates, ah. which I would imagine would be fairly easy to do. Yeah. <laughs> so Billy takes one of the Mogwai to his former science teacher, Mr. Hansen, which is the bit you were talking about earlier, Howie. Anybody recognise Mr. Hansen? No. Nope. Nope. He was, and just bear with me two seconds while I find the actor's name. I was sure, though, that he was a science teacher because there were so many vials on his <laughs> desk. They made <laughs> it very clear. Yeah. His what, job was science teacher. Yeah, he had pens in his pocket, white lab coat, right, tick right. the box. <laughs> yeah, that was Glyn Turman, who played Clarence Royce from The Wire, the mayor. Oh, okay. Oh, so Eddie, you haven't seen The Wire, have you? Yeah, I have. Yeah, played the mayor, yeah. 
<laughs> also, this movie features another sort of cameo amazing appearance or that's better in retrospect. The cops that we see later, the younger one was Jonathan Banks, who is that fantastic character actor who played Mike Ehrmantraut in Breaking Bad. Oh, so yeah, 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 yeah. I did recognise him. The The scene where the science class is in session, they're watching a, a short film about a heart beating and there's, there's some actual teaching going on. That is actually a real science film. Uh, and that particular one was directed by Frank Capra. Oh, really? Yeah. Who, and of course, they, they, there's a lot. I mean, obviously, the, the town is called Kingston Falls. It's almost the same as Bedford Falls. There's, there's, it's a Wonderful Life does actually appear in the film as well. Yeah. So he's, he's, mm-hmm. he's in it. He's in it twice, which is a nice oh, touch. Interesting. In fact, there's full of cameos, this film. Spielberg himself is in it. Yeah. Robbie the Robot is in it. Even the time machine from, I forget the name of the movie. Oh, no, that's right, the time machine is in <laughs> the background of one of the shots. But then it disappears, um, doesn't it? And then it disappears, yeah. Yeah. Yes, so the, there is a scene where simultaneously as Billy accidentally feeds his mogwai and starts them turning into the titular gremlins, the science teacher sort of negligently leaves a sandwich out at two in the morning for the mogwai to eat. And then when it comes back, and I still remember from my childhood, the terrifying thing of the teacher reaching under the desk, trying to tempt the whatever it's changed into with a chocolate bar. I'm not sure what kind of chocolate bar it was. but Snickers. Was it a Snickers? It was, I yeah. I do Marathon. like a Snickers. But yeah, that really scared me. What was that guy doing? But You're not it- you when you're hungry. That's true. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but th- this is the thing. So my kids genuinely, apart from the scene that we'll get to, all through this, my kids were laughing. They thought it was hilarious. So I wonder if it's a case of... Has this film lost its scary touch to the current audience? Are we scared a bit because we reflect? Maybe back your on kids just aren't pussies like you. Well, that's <laughs> probably the case. God. Oh, my kids, dear, they have been watching too many. Too many is more than is anything more than one of the investigators that we slated <laughs> last week. They gave it a second chance, and they are hammering that series. Oh, how um, wonderful! Luckily, there luckily a second series of Hilda has come out, so that's yeah, sort of that. weighed it up. Yeah, that's quite good. But yeah, but I'm just wondering if if you guys did see let your kids watch it or anything like that, what what their thoughts would be on it? Because I think that that level of puppetry. Because they see things like Baby Yoda, and they. Yeah, this, st- yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. I because I never saw this when I was a kid. Yeah, so same. seeing it now, I I thought that Gizmo was a little higher class Teddy Ruxpin. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Teddy Ruxpin. Jeez Louise. So you know, I mean, this it just seemed like a toy that you would sell uh, at a kiosk in the mall. Yeah. You know that guy that flies his helicopter and yeah, he's yeah, yeah. getting too close to everybody? <laughs> that guy would sell a gizmo-type yeah. character today yeah, in the yeah. mall. And maybe it would be like a two-for-one. Maybe you get a gizmo and a dinosaur yeah. or something, you know, <laughs> for t- 10 bucks or something. It just... it The 
the level of animatronics, the level of special effects just wasn't there. It wasn't mm. it wasn't frightening to uh, maybe not frightening, man. but I thought the special effects still really hold up. And mm. and I love the fact that it's all done practically. And I think it's really <laughs> you know you know for a fact if they made Gremlins three now, it would all be CGI and well, they're making to- one. They're yeah. making a, a yeah. TV series. Yeah, they are. Did you yeah. read how they? The first attempt at doing a gremlin. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. They tried... Did you know this, Harry? Uh, well, Adam, they got... They tried it with a spider monkey first. Oh, my God. They, 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 Jesus. They, so they got, they got an animal trader here with a spider monkey, and they put a gremlin's head on it, and yeah. it fucking lost it. it Surprisingly. It, it went on a rampage, destroyed the director's office, and shit everywhere. <laughs> and so they were like, yeah, this isn't going to work. But they did have... They had lots of trouble with the... With the models of the animatronics, they cost a fortune to make. Yeah. To the point that everyone's car was checked at the end of each day's shoot to make sure no one had nicked anything. Oh. Yeah, I read that too, where Corey Feldman had grabbed some fur to show his classmates that he was in a movie, and they were like, What? We don't give a shit about your fur. Yeah. <laughs> You're in a what? All right. Take your fur and go put yeah. it somewhere else. Because um, Baby Yoda at the minute in The Mandalorian is a mix of animatronics but real-life puppetry as well. So I don't think it'd go full CGI based on the success that they've had with The Mandalorian-style effects. He doesn't move around too, too much, though, does he? No, yeah, I suppose. Gizmo I think there's a quite a lot of similarity of design between the Mogwai and Baby yeah. Yoda, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. yeah. They just dipped him in a green paint suit. Well, yeah. he's the same one. So there's a few other characters knocking about in the film, and one we've not mentioned is Mrs. Deagle, who's yes. this sort of Scrooge-type character that's yeah. running around the town Dog just hater. being generally bitchy about everything and kicking people out of their houses and just seems to have all the money in the town while everyone else is struggling. She, yeah, she, she mentions that she's desperate for some reason to kill the dog and generally just setting herself up to be the big, bitch that you know something's going to happen to her the bitch yeah she does die it's wonderful yeah <laughs> you know, in, the, in the book they uh, the gremlins lob off the mother's head and they eat the family dog really oh, oh wow dark it would have been a bit of a darker take yeah <laughs> but in this one memorably the mother who is the first i think recipient of the gremlins reign of terror they put on Do You See What I See, which sounds really chilling when it's coming here. And then she has a sort of, well, a standoff with them in the kitchen and she she's a, kills. She's a badass. She's a, yeah, yeah, she, she kills. does. I like that. I like the fact that she wasn't some just screaming female nobody. She gives it loads. Exactly. Yeah, my wife was very happy about that. She got for- <laughs> completely forgotten that there was one bad bitch as a mother. And she was yeah. like, yeah, yeah. So, one, in, one in the blender, one in the yeah. microwave. She stabs one with a kitchen knife. She sprays a load of, like, flea oh, she- spray in its eyes. Mm, that's yeah. right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, she is, she's hardcore. She's an absolute, yeah, gremlin but, samurai. But what happens then is we're left with Stripe, the, the ringleader, and eventually he manages to escape and jumps into the local swimming pool, yeah, <laughs> which causes a whole army of gremlins to rampage through the town. And I do uh, love that scene where you see one, and then two, and then just 
hundreds, maybe even thousands of them yeah. coming over the hill. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. And it, this is where the, the sort of the mischief and the, the, the carnage really escalates here. And as we mentioned, Mrs. Deagle, they, you see one of them, she, she comes down the stairs on her stair lift and then you see a gremlin just sort of messing around with the wiring on her. Well, she has her. to go outside to, because the doorbell Thanks. rings and they're outside caroling. That's it's right. It's yeah. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and then when she I goes... Was, I was going to ask you guys about this. Have you ever had, even before the pandemic, I realize now, probably not, but have you ever had Christmas carolers come to your no. door? No. What, I figured I, that was something that happened in America, Adam. Are you going to tell me it's not? It, I can't remember that ever really happening. I think it was always, it's a bit strange to go up to a stranger's yeah. door and start singing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's happened to us once when we lived in the UK. We lived in England because we used to run a restaurant, so they'd come sing outside the restaurant. But uh, as you said, it's just a strange one. Just rocking up to someone's house, tip your hat to get some change and start singing terribly. <laughs> yeah. You should do it any time of the year, shouldn't you, really? Don't, don't just do it at Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> just don't sing in ballads. Yeah. Pull out, pull out know, a Taylor no, Swift, you know, anything, a bit of Adele, you know, just, just go for it. Mrs. Deagle doesn't respond particularly well to the caroling, so she gets back in her chair. Revved up a little bit. A little, yeah. And she is catapulted at, at great speed up <laughs> through the stairs and out the top floor window. It's, it's fantastic, isn't it? It's I was a- trying to figure out, is that possible? Would, that, would the trajectory actually work? <laughs> and I, I think it would. I think if you had the window right above the stairs, you could, yeah, you, you you could, could make, make, make it. Yeah, I think so. And it's just a great payoff. (laughs) It's a great payoff to someone who's just been horrid her entire appearance throughout the film to date has been, you know, been a real bitch and she really gets a great death either. It's brilliant. She does. And as the as the police are sort of just pulling up to the gaff, they just see her get launched out of the window and land in there. It's brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) This is just the worst police. Yeah. Just the worst police ever. Yeah. Uh, they, they were getting pissed up in the police station, weren't they? It was yeah. Christmas Eve. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine that being your defence in front of a police tribunal. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was. It was Christmas Eve. I felt it was. It was. It was good to get into the spirit. It gets pissed before I arrested someone. Uh, if your whole town has been invaded by gremlins, I mean, yeah, you know, you, you know, go you've, you've got other problems. Yeah, you got to go with it. It reminded me a bit of Shaun of the Dead at this point, where everything was on the rampage. Yeah, well, we cut we cut to the local bar there when uh, where, Kate's, where Kate's working and she's been she's forced. doing what you would do, and yeah. that is serving the gremlins drinks and lighting their cigarettes. <laughs> there are so many questions I have <laughs> yeah. about this yeah. scene. How did right that? Here. Yeah, it, this is it's just getting into pure comedy mode at this point, and she's just plying them with booze, um, <laughs> and and like you say, one of them's got about ten cigarettes on the go. She's lighting cigarettes at which point. She realises there's a Polaroid. She gets a phone call, doesn't she? Yes. And so she gets the the camera and she starts taking photos. Obviously, the flash disorientates the gremlins. But enough. she's been lighting their cigarettes. Yeah. With it's weird, isn't it? It's yeah. really yeah. weird. Popcorn. I, did anybody look at this and think, back in the day, I probably would have enjoyed going out for drinks with the gremlins because they <laughs> looked like they were fun, man. Looked well, there was, there was quite a range of just outright murder to just like 
being a bit laddish and going out for beers. Hijinks. There was a there was a wide spectrum of, of like bad behaviour. Yeah. Yeah. Like it looked like basically a rugby tour. That's what it, for me <laughs> yeah. it felt like. <laughs> right, right. All it missed was people pissing on someone and we'd have been there. You know, if we were wearing like uh, brown chinos and uh, and club shirts, the gremlins would have fit right in. But this this part of the film is where like the main talking point is for me. Is so she escapes from the bar with all the the booze and the gremlins and what have you, and then while she's hiding out with Billy, we again get this story from nowhere. It's amazing, isn't it? About why she hates Christmas, and it's oh, yeah. it's so incongruous with the rest of the film. Well, she's already um, hinted at this earlier because she's, yes. she trots she out an amazing line at Christmas time when most people are opening presents, there are plenty of others opening their wrists, which is one I used to like trotting amazing. out at, 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 at work. But yeah, so she does reveal her personal trauma, Sidey. So yeah, her dad had gone missing on Christmas Eve and <laughs> I wasn't seen. And so they're, they're just assuming that he's done a runner. And then several days later, was it because of a smell? <laughs> yeah. It, it's discovered that he'd actually dressed up as Father Christmas and tried to climb down the chimney to surprise him with presents, but he's fallen and broken his neck and been wedged, basically, in the, in the, in the, the chimney of the what? family house. The serious fuck. <laughs> yeah. right See, it's a public wow. health film. This just goes to show you that our parents' generation is the worst parents of every generation ever. How do you, in the fuck, do you get the idea that going down the, the chimney, chimney is a good idea? Like, where? how does that connect in your brain? Can you imagine doing that now? Joe, don't tell me No, I'm not at up. all. I cannot imagine doing that. I know we've had the chimney flume done. It's been relayed. It's safe. I'm going to squeeze my slightly less ample frame down there. Don't don't worry about it. It'll be funny. <laughs> imagine the kid. Like Imagine if you did get down there. But you, you down guys there, who oh haven't seen this movie, you cannot have seen this story coming. No. Oh, no. I have no... I had no idea. When this story came... I thought, is this the same movie? Am I yeah. still watching Gremlins? What just happened? Girl interrupted is what I thought it flipped on. It was really weird to go from that scene in the bar, which is pretty much just out-and-out out comedy, to her wow. then telling this really harrowing story about why she hates Christmas. Yeah. And I think that's why it worked so well for me. I thought it was really good. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't even know what to say. This story was utter nonsense. I listened <laughs> yeah. to it and thought, this this might be the most unbelievable thing in the whole movie. Yeah, and my missus was like, what the fuck is going on? It's, uh, <laughs> it's just so random. The gremlins, aware that daylight is coming, pile into the movie theatre to watch Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, <laughs> which then continues the mayhem. Memorably, the entire audience singing along Hi ho, hi ho, it's off yeah. to work we go. Yeah. And then to cut a long story short, Billy fills the whole place with gas and then blows them all up. You know, funny, I was thinking, where have I seen that before? I'd seen that in another movie somewhere before. And when I was watching this, I realized where I'd seen it before. There's another director, I think, who did this, a Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> Inglorious Bastards. Inglorious yeah. Bastards. That's right. That's right. I've seen this before. That's right. I've seen it before. So you think all the gremlins have been killed, but unfortunately, the leader, Stripe. He, yeah, he nipped over the road to get more sweets because or candy because yes. they they're all out. They'd eaten it all. 
So he escaped this explosion and then he was going to do a runner, I guess, to find some more water where he could jump in and create another gremlin's mm. army. It leads to a kind of memorable showdown between Billy and Stripe. He comes at him with a chainsaw, a crossbow. He was getting his ass kicked, wasn't he? He was, yeah. He said, yeah, he, he really was. He left Gizmo with Kate and he told them to go and find, switch the lights on. Well, he tried to distract Stripe, but basically Stripe just was going to kill him. It was pretty close to being game over for Billy. The real heroic moment where we, the real hero of the film is Gizmo. Yes. And we get this great sequence of him in a little radio-controlled car, upping the cute factor. <laughs> yeah. We we made a big deal about saying, oh, Harry hadn't seen this and Adam hadn't seen it. But I'd totally forgotten most of the stuff that happened in this film. <laughs> so long since I've seen it. I had completely forgotten about Gizmo in the pink car. I'd totally Amazing. forgotten about it. And he yeah. even says something like, move, woof, woof, as he's driving past at the dock. It's <laughs> brilliant. Anyway, yes, Gizmo ends up saving the day by driving full speed off of a shovel <laughs> into... Uh, a flower pot and then opening the sunlight just as the, the fountain stripe is yeah. about to jump into a fountain and then there's a really disgusting death scene for stripe who kind of ends up looking like a sort of half-cooked chicken carcass yeah <laughs> as the sunlight hits him it's really quite grim you get the is he dead jump shock moment as well don't you because yeah, he, yeah. he launches himself out of the fountain as a, just a skeleton at the end yeah and then just melts onto the floor did that scare you when you were a kid when you were a kid were you Fuck still yeah. being scared of jump scares at that point oh, so scared yeah. of them now because it, it's standard procedure now that i was just kind of expecting it to happen in terms of the deaths adam have you seen gremlins 2 as well I did like a bit of a double bill over a couple of days with it with my kids. I and, have uh, not. I've oh, heard that good. Hulk Hogan does a really good yes, job in that yeah. movie. That's, <laughs> yeah, always, that's what always, I know it's about Os- it. Oscar levels of pure acting. <laughs> Mike, I enjoyed Gremlins two way more than Gremlins one, and I think the gore was. I think they must have obviously been able to either up the budget or they had more experience with what they were working with. Some of the, the deaths in Gremlins 2 are brilliant and some of the creatures and all their changes through the addition yeah. of a DNA syrup storyline, which my kids picked hold with immediately. But yeah, I think the, 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 it's worth seeing the second one. It's definitely worth seeing the second one. Uh, it's a bit more comedic as well, I think, which is well, obviously the first one is, but the second one's got way more in. At the end of it all, though, Mr. Wing from Chinatown. Yeah, just rocks up. Just he comes back up. and he scolds them for not being responsible pet owners, basically, and uh, they didn't follow the rules. And presumably he's already bollocked his grandson for selling the thing behind his back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I think it's a bit difficult. Now, I've got to be careful that I go, don't come off as like really xenophobic and racist here. <laughs> so I'll just put that there. But when you're own society has a habit of finding wonderful creatures and then cooking and eating them or grinding them up for medicines or aphrodisiacs i think you have to be slightly (laughs) circumspect in accusing another race of not really understanding or you know that you get on your high horse about gizmo watching television That that would be my take on the end 
<laughs> Probably some truth in that, yeah. But it does it does leave it with a or well, maybe Billy will be okay to to have a gizmo, you know, mm. later even on. Even though he broke all the rules with yeah, no, it was, 20 it was, minutes about Yeah, him. it was him who caused the whole fucking thing in the first place. <laughs> so, I go on, Reese. I was just gonna say it's kind of difficult to ignore the 80s subtext of this which i never really noticed or paid any attention to when i was a kid or even in my teens but about the fact that this is about something foreign and exotic coming over and destroying everything in mm. in an american town it's it's really it's like difficult to ignore that whole perspective when you watch gremlins as a 40 year old Mm-hmm. And yeah. the whole threat of the East coming in to destroy um, small town America. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. No, I I remember when I was younger, Chinatown because I'm I'm right by San Francisco, so Chinatown, San Francisco is quite large. Yeah. And uh, I remember it being just a a different place. You could go there and you can get ninja stars. You know, you could get a switchblade <laughs> if you went to. Chinatown, they would have illegal fireworks, you know, and as a 12 year old, this sounds awesome, but I mean, you're just scratching the surface of the, the things that kids can get. I can't imagine what it would be like as an adult to go to Chinatown. And you'd be like, oh, they eat, you know, bat wings. That's very strange. <laughs> so I'm sure that there would just be all, all sorts of that. And there was a lot of uncertainty, you know, around what Chinatown sold with their herbal medicine, you know, shark fin soup, all that. People just didn't understand at the time. So, yeah, definitely this this bred into a lot of fears that mm. Americans at least had at the time of what was going on in the Chinese market. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think they didn't handle it very sensitively then? Or are they just a product of its time that it would I think made- probably the latter. And I think you see it through a different lens now. Yeah. Well, this came out around the same time that Temple of Doom came out, right? Yeah. Yeah. Didn't they come out around the same time? And these are both Spielbergs. And I'm I just watched Temple of Doom for the first time also about two months ago. I'd never seen that. Oh either. really? Oh yeah. You should have dodged it again. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm I realized that Spielberg just didn't really have his pulse uh, on the didn't really have his hand on the future he had his hand on what was currently happening like Mm. i was watching that and seeing harrison ford walk through a tribe of very dark people as they worshiped him yeah bringing back this this thing and he stood there like jesus and i thought there is no way you could get away with this today it's a movie you know the white savior yeah it's full of really clumsy Racial so I stereotypes. Think the same thing goes on with gremlins too, where yes. you know they just they're a product of their time. Yeah. yeah, I think these days they probably just have it being from outer space or something like that, rather than specific geographical locations that point to some maybe some clumsy stereotypes. Yeah, racial yeah. stereotyping and stuff like that. But it's you know films like this, they're either Soviet or or just Far East stuff, wasn't it? So Having I also said that, read that. The, the Mogwai are the evolutionary step necessary and created by the Earth to stop harvesting its natural resources. So gremlins, like the ones we see in the movie, wouldn't be able to survive in, let's say, a desert where like resources are scarce and Mother Earth is fine. 
but where resources are being wasted and squandered, like a movie theater or the mall, oh. the gremlins flourish. So they're actually an evolutionary step in order to stop us from wasting Mother yeah. Earth's resources. I like that. I like that. And the budget for this was 11 mil, which seems kind of low, maybe. I don't mm. know. Pretty obvious one, this, but do you think it was a winner or a loser at the box office? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> this was a winner. Yeah, I made 154 mil, so a decent uh, a decent return on that 11 million investment on this one. Do you Should think we... it's weird that no one batted an eye when Billy's dad bought him an intelligent tool-using creature for Christmas? Basically, you know, he can reason, he can use tools, he can communicate, he's sapient, so it's basically slavery. I just thought it was strange that no one said, what is this? What is this creature that's never been documented in any scientific way ever? And that's never raised at all. It's just accepted that there's a whole new species uncovered. Bypassed bypassed Darwin's entire research. Um, Should we wrap it up? Yeah. Yeah. All right, then. Howie, as it was your first time watching this, were you not entertained? I was don't for me though it was it's not the it's not a showstopper of 80s films i'm afraid but i did enjoy it yeah uh, i know what you mean adam what about you were you not entertained you know i can understand why my parents didn't let me see this as a (laughs) child and this is just something else that they were wrong about (laughs) 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 this movie was just not not frightening it was just fine i i don't I thought it was a 6 out of 10, maybe yeah. a 7. Didn't really have the nostalgia factor for me that it has for you guys. Yeah, that's true. Riggs, what about you? Are you not entertained? Yeah, the, there's really no way to classify or categorize this movie. It's dark and crazy and twisted and inventive, and it's kind of too mean-spirited to be a Christmas, a kid's film, but it's not really intense enough to be a higher-rated adult's movie. I really, really liked it. It works as like a, a fairy tale and a sort of gateway to, to horror, yeah. Although it is difficult not to see... The Gremlins as an insidious foreign influence tainting a picturesque town of white people. So <laughs> there's that troubling bit to it. But yeah, no, I loved it. Loved it. For me, I did think it it, it dated quite badly. I know you said it still stood up, Riggs, but I thought there was various parts of it um, that I thought had aged quite badly. I really didn't believe the town at all as a setting. It just looked like a you know a film studio set up to me but a lot of the stuff that actually happened in the film i'd forgotten about so i although i had this nostalgia vibe it still story-wise was quite fresh for me just because i'd forgotten most of it so i really enjoyed it and plus phoebe cates win (laughs) (laughs) sidey kids choice kids choice this week it's a classic this is the certainly for us Brits. This is something that seems to be on every Christmas time. It's the Snowman, nineteen eighty two. Had you ever seen this before, Adam? Has this permeated the cultural zeitgeist in in that side of the Atlantic? So I didn't think I had seen it until I heard, <laughs> and then I realized, oh, I've seen this shit before. So yeah, it's it's definitely permeated. Yeah, it kind of hits us every Christmas with a, with a bang. So I did watch this one with my daughter. And let's just say that 
it wasn't a surefire hit for her. Okay. To get that out of the way right away. But essentially, this is the kind of ubiquitous Christmas time story of boy makes a snowman, wakes up the next day and... Well, no, it's just in the middle of the night, wasn't it? Um, mm. Wakes up at midnight and the snowman had come to life. Or, or was he in some sort of mushroom-induced hallucination? We don't know. It's never fully explained. But he goes on a kind of noisy and annoying adventure with this fucking snowman. I'm and getting then he, a and then he general vibe here. So yeah, he yeah, I'm, I'm surprised. I mean, this wasn't that long enough to hate it that much. I think you've seen it quite a lot. And it just didn't find it that believable. And I didn't really understand. <laughs> he brought the thing into the house and just made. Okay. Although there was no, there was no. It's so it's it's just silent effectively. It's a silent feature with some music. There's no there's no dialogue in it. But he brings the snowman into the gaff, and he just it seemed to me like they would have been making a fucking shitload of noise and would have woken up his parents. And I just thought, what are you doing? Just go outside. Ooh. Fuck about. <laughs> And yeah. you know, in The Simpsons... The- I always thought it was weird that they were worried about... Because they are worried about... Because the snowman sneezes when they're inside. And he's yeah. like, shh, don't wake the old ears up. But then he goes and rides a fucking motorbike. Yeah. <laughs> and they're just cocking about in the house, just dancing around and making... It would have made a load more noise than one sneeze. But I guess... Yeah, you're right, Sidey. It's shit. I never realised. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a weird one. The, the animation pencil drawings is it raymond briggs the story is it yeah yeah i remember at the time so it must have been mid 80s when that first came out it did quite yeah i remember as a kid watching it and it it was when you're very young and it's very it is magical it does tick a lot of christmas is definitely around it's happening oh my god father christmas all this shit and you, you guys especially living in Jersey at that age, wouldn't have seen many white Christmases, whereas kind of where I was in the UK, you did see snow and all that sort of significance of it. But now when you watch it, I think my kids at an age where they thought it was quite nice to see and it just sort of was it. And now it's like it's in the background and they've kind of lost that innocence, I believe. But that's not to say that they don't appreciate that style of animation because the one that I think you'd like your kids to watch is Raymond Briggs's Father Christmas, which is all about what Father Christmas gets up to leading up to Christmas, where he goes on holiday around the world, and it's quite funny. And oh, I thought he was going to be like a dirty old pervert or something. Yeah, well, he is. He is. He goes to France. He goes to. Oh, France. there you go. He's, Say no more. Yeah, yeah. It's proper. It's it's he's proper. To the mosh pit in St Marlowe. Yeah. yeah, that's the one. And and he's a real it's grumpy bastard man. who gets sunstroke. He goes gambling, loses all his money. He's got he visit- a big red nose, Father Christmas. So he obviously likes a drink, doesn't he? Well, <laughs> booze hound. <laughs> it's booze hound. Yeah, he is a booze hound in this. But yeah, Riggs, you've got the you've got probably the youngest kids. Are they? watch the snowman we have watched it we watched it last year they weren't up for it this year although they wanted to watch the sequel the snowman and the snow dog which is equally as bleak as uh this one Uh, show show them where the wind blows that's a good one (laughs) yeah so i mean yeah we should probably get to the point so they have these hijinks they fly Mm. over the south downs towards the coast they continue through an arctic landscape into the aurora borealis they join a party of snowmen well that's where Um, we get the famous song isn't it that and we get the song which was by alan jones no no no, it's peter Peter orty 
Peter Orty. It's everybody gets that one wrong. I set you up for that, Howie. Sorry about that. Yeah, I know. He, did, he no, but he didn't. He's not in the film, is he? He just did the recording and the record. No, they did no. the single. The single came out in 1985, and that was the one that was sung by Alan Jones. And that yeah. one is an absolute banger. It fucking goes <laughs> off. Um, my dad used to say that I looked like Alan Jones. I think he was just disappointed that I had no talent for singing. <laughs> Alex, <laughs> Alex Jones. Alex. Alex. He was Welsh. Okay. He was Alex, Welsh. Alex, Alex, Alex Jones. Jones is a bit of a different character. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. I don't want to say you look like him. I've seen the tattoo, but the beard. <laughs> yeah, well. Infowars. Yeah, the, so Alan Jones is now a religious TV presenter for the BBC, but I think a couple of years back he got done for inappropriate behaviour, which obviously Did takes it? every... Yeah. What, yeah. Operation U-Tree stuff? Well, it was, I think it was uh, boisterous behaviour towards members of staff at the BBC. So I don't know how boisterous... Uh, I sung a song Catholic. in 1985. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck you. Just that, what a prick. <laughs> anyway, the, the, yeah. So on the, the snowman and James return home and on Christmas Day, the following morning, the boy wakes up t- to find that the snowman has melted. melted. Just his accoutrements melt. behind. Uh, and then it, it ends with the boy sort of kneeling by the snowman's remains, holding his scarf and mourning, mourning his loss. Raymond Happy Christmas. Briggs, he's a cheery fucker, isn't he? I mean, everything <laughs> yeah. is about death with Raymond yeah. Briggs. Yeah. Something's wronged him. Someone's wronged him in another way. Well, he, he said, I think he was profoundly affected by the death of his parents. He said in an interview, I don't have happy endings. I create what seems natural and inevitable. The snowman melts. My parents died. Animals die. Flowers <laughs> dies. Everything does. Oh There's God. nothing gloomy about it. It's a fact of life. And it is really melancholy. But Seems it's got like that a blast message. At parties, that guy. Yeah. yeah, I think you know. But the overall <laughs> message I try and take from it, which is a kind of Christmassy message, is appreciate your happy moments while you can, because they don't last forever. Fucking hell, we're really dragging it down today, Jesus aren't Christ, we? That's not a Christmas message. <laughs> Here's your turkey. Could that's be your last like one, you fuckers. That's a eulogy. That's something you <laughs> say a eul- That's your obituary. <laughs> Simon always said, Over think here. of tomorrow because it won't happen. <laughs> Enjoy life because death is inevitable. Merry yeah, Christmas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but you get that forced cheerfulness that you get in most Christmas things, and this doesn't have that. It's kind of... You know, it does have a cameo cameo from Father Christmas. Yeah, it does, does it? have a cameo from Santa yeah. Claus. Yes, it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I missed that. Yeah, when they go to the the snowman orgy and then it all parks <laughs> and Father the Christmas is there in the middle yeah. beating off. There was one female snowman. My two year old wanted to point that out. She kept well, saying, "Mommy, snowman." Yeah. She thought that the snowman was Olaf's father. Oh, oh okay. Oh yeah, from oh, that's nice. That all worked out. Wait, how did we know that it was a snow woman? Did it have boobs or what's the? It had a dress. Well, you thought, and is this, a, is this and a, a new niche market? For you? And, okay, yeah. well, but you, that's not enough these days, is it? I mean, that could have just been somebody expressing themselves. <laughs> yeah, with with the way that this writer, <laughs> my kids loved it. My I, I had my five year old tell me what it meant in Mandarin, and I my two year old had to tell me. It was Olaf's father, so, you know, before I crack the whip, I make sure that they get their education on. 
cool. that's good. It's yeah, cool because they're still at the magic age. That's nice. So they what? they're not they're not scarred by uh, parents like me making their kids watch uh, Gremlins at a too early age. <laughs> yeah, we were watching something else, which was coming to the end of that. And I said, "Oh, we've got to watch the Snowman next because uh, we were doing it on the podcast." So my daughter was really enthused. She was like, oh, "Can we watch Snowman? Now? Can we watch Snowman now?" And after about five minutes, she was like, "How long's left?" Uh, is there is there much and I was like yeah it's still got like 20 minutes to this so she did I don't know what it was because I thought that you know it had all the the elements uh, all the ingredients to be a bit of a, a Christmas hit for her but it just didn't I think like you're you said Harry maybe just the style of it the fact that there was mm. no dialogue for her to latch on to it, it didn't really resonate with her and I was I sort think, of worried yeah. as well knowing how it ended that oh god it's you know it's going to end on this real low, low mode, point yeah, of a, basically a death and it was right before bedtime and sometimes you know you get that sort of thing where they get yeah. to bed and that's the bit that they take away mm-hmm. trying to get them to sleep after seeing that and but she just didn't really like it and uh, so didn't she wasn't fussed really i think it's the dialogue thing side what you've just hit it on the head there i think children certain that what they're what they're what they're given what they're shown now so story driven but there's with with actual explanations, everything's explained. Whereas the snowman yeah, is you led to your own beliefs. Well, Wall-E, there's like no words in about the first forty-five minutes of that movie. Yeah, it's all okay. done through animation. It's just amazing. I think maybe the style was a bit old-fashioned for her, and she's used to stuff being a bit more media, a bit brighter and more vivid. This was. I was going to say before was that scene in The Simpsons where Homer says, "Is this cartoon going out live?" Yeah, well, this this seemed like it could have gone out live. It was so shoddy, something you know, just scribble on a fucking page. So you just imagine like, someone, yeah, like it's just that kind of put the pen on the side and and you know shade it in really quickly. Shade it, in. it was like that. The version that you watched did it have David Bowie at the start? No, but I've seen that. I it did. Seen it. It did on the one, I, and I had no fucking idea, and I thought. Maybe the missus had put something in my food, and I was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, and I, I stopped it. I thought, "Oh, this is this isn't it. This is the wrong <laughs> thing." And I skipped forward a few minutes. I thought, "Oh no, it is." And then it turns out there's three there's three intros. Mm. There's the original, obviously, which just goes straight into it. Then there's the David Bowie one, and then there's a uh, Mel Smith as Father Christmas. Yeah. How do you there? how do you say his name? Bowie. What are we talking about? It's David Bowie. I thought it was David Bowie. I think is it this is a probably British a, thing. Probably. It's a Bowie knife, isn't it? That you, you I it think from? I say David Bowie. Do you I? don't like you'd be able to you, you don't, don't even like, like him, him, so you don't I care. didn't say I don't like him, I just don't <laughs> think he's the god that everybody else thinks he is. Oh. Yeah. He's great in what was it, Legend? Labyrinth. No. Labyrinth. Labyrinth. Yeah, he's Labyrinth. good in all Kicking the things babies. that everybody knows, but that's <laughs> it. Idiot. I thought it I thought this this I thought the snowman was great. I thought I enjoyed it. My kids liked it. I thought it was adorable. What can I say? Oh, shit. Sorry. <laughs> no, I, think, no, I really liked it as well. I think I would hold it in higher esteem if my daughter had latched onto it and really liked it because then we would have had something that I watched as a kid that I liked then mm. and that mm. she liked, you know, like a multi-generational sort of thing. But it just it just passed her by, really. it was. I was surprised. I really thought that this would be something, especially with the whole christmas thing and watching it at christmas time which she would have really latched onto but no it just it was a misfire try, try with the raymond briggs father christmas one she might like that because it's actually got a bit of story chat and stuff in it right. and it's quite funny it's a bit grumpy 
Cool. It was a Channel 4 thing, so there's no there's no budget or anything to talk about. Really high metrics on the internet, though, so people do love it. It's mm. it's a consistent hit every every Christmas. This is wheeled out and enjoyed. But for today, Riggs, were you not entertained? Yeah, I I really like this. I think there's something really appealing about the lack of perfection in the animation style, and I like the tone. And I think I'm. It's the sort of thing that I'm liking more and more as I get older and older. So yeah, beautiful. Adam, are you not entertained? Yeah, for me, the simpler the story, the better. The less I have to think about it, because my brain is working <laughs> less and less as I get older. So if you, if you really dumb down the story, I'm going to enjoy it even more. Probably probably why I didn't like Gremlins so much. Just too advanced for me. <laughs> Howie, what about yourself? I'll go for a sentimental. Yeah, it's all right. It's okay. It, 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 you can't tarnish what was something that was magical when you were very little. And obviously... Yeah, nowadays there are perhaps you, you you see the things that we've talked about, and I think there's probably other things that will get you into the Christmas spirit. Right. For me, I it, this has served me well down the years, but I'm obviously a little bit past it now. And for whatever reason, my daughter wasn't taken with it either. So, bit of a misfire for us. But there's millions and millions of people who love this and enjoy it. So I, yeah. I am clearly in the minority. <laughs> Well, that is it for another week. Adam, thank you so, so much for yeah, joining us you, again. You're uh, a top you man, an absolute gent. It's always a pleasure to have you join us for one of our chats. Yep. yep. Anytime somebody doesn't feel like making it, <laughs> feel free to give me a call and you know I'll, I'll jump on and uh, be a poor replacement. I'm all for it. <laughs> Good man. Good luck with the rest of the NFL fantasy football season. Two weeks left. It's over. Good luck, and everybody's going to their championships. How come there's only two weeks left? So the fantasy season Just regular goes season until week sixteen. Oh, okay, uh, the no regular season, season goes week seventeen, and then you have you know playoffs and Super Bowl. Yeah, fantasy football. Oh well, full time. I won't have to worry about the Niners in the postseason this year. Mm-mm. You don't have to worry about the Niners for several years. Hangover, <laughs> hangover after last year. Sad times. <laughs> We're going to do some nominations for next week sometime during the week, so we don't know what we're going to be doing next week, but this, I think, is obviously our Christmas episode, so we can just avoid any more Christmassy nonsense in our film-watching future. All that remains is to say Sidey is signing out. Reeds out. Howie, goodbye. Adam. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Say goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) I'm eating junk and watching rubbish You better come out and stop me
him. I know him. 